Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Chris Fry. I and my wife, Megan, are turning a new age in the next coming days. She will have a birthday this week, and for 11 days, she will officially be older than me. So she will, on Tuesday, turn... And you will be able to tell her happy birthday. It'll be great. She's my, she's my best friend. And she makes, looks very good. It's a beautiful thing that I have. Uh, the, a man has found a great thing when he finds her. I found her. And uh, somehow God graced me with her. I uh, am glad this morning to uh, not be in Kenya. No offense to that nation. Um, But man, just about 10 days in a foreign country will make you really glad that the Lord God called you to Eunice, Louisiana and not Nairobi, Kenya. So it is good to be home. But this morning I, I I come with a message. First of all, let me just ask you to join me in welcoming all of those who are joining us live online. Also the Eunice Correctional Facility every week. Uh, We're able to stream our services to them. We love you guys. We're very grateful for the unbelievable amount of views that that people come and plug into. We pray that 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 ministers to them and you are able to show that to your family of people watching us from afar and even even investing in God's vision here from, from a distance. So I'm very grateful for that. But also, let me say this, as much as I love uh, what God has called us to do in, in shepherding and pastoring people, uh, a shepherd is really only as strong as his staff. And so the fact that I was able to go to essentially the other side of the world for 10 days and this staff never missed a beat, um, people that aren't even officially on staff were able to step into the pulpit. Rachel did an incredible job the Wednesday night that I was out. Blaine, Blaine brought a powerful message last Sunday. I was very grateful for, for their obedience to God and hearing from them. Yeah, give God praise for them stepping in the pulpit. <clears throat> it's not an easy thing to do. I don't even, I like traveling and preaching, but it's a little bit more intimidating to step into somebody else's pulpit and try to <clears throat> authenticate yourself right there on the spot and fill in the shoes of another pastor's house. It's not an easy thing to do. This Wednesday night, um, we are going to have communion, worship and communion, right at the, the front part of service. And then I'm going to share um, a lot of pictures and, and a few more videos from the trip uh, with Aaron and Stephanie DiMaggio and, and Brooks Bundick went with me. And we're going to share some of the things that we saw, some of the things that we hope to see, some vision and direction, I believe, that, that we may be able to invest in in the future. We're going to share all of those details this Wednesday night, but this morning I want to focus on this one very important thing that I learned, probably the most impactful thing that I learned about flying into Nairobi and traveling south and ministering to the Maasai people through Kufakia International. One of the most powerful things that I experienced was the simplicity of the gospel. So this morning, I actually... Um, we're still in this series on text and the power of four, but I want to hone in a little bit more into the power of the gospel today, the power, the simplicity of God's word, the, the security of God's presence. And I, I say that, I don't want you to take that as cliche. It's amazing when you're in circumstances where you're not so comfortable um, how you learn to lean into 
the security of God's presence. And finally, the sanctity. And, and I use that word just because it was the third word and the other two started with S and so this one does too. Uh, but it also communicated the point that I hope to communicate. I don't mean to just speak in spiritual Christianese this morning. Sanctity is really just being made holy. And so when I say the sanctity uh, that takes place in an authentic relationship with Jesus, it means that you're not focused on what you do. You're focused on who you are. You're not focused on your doing because you're not human doings. You are focused on your being in Christ Jesus because you are human beings. And it is who we are in Him that affects what we do in or against His name. Let me give you an example. Well, I was very grateful to have, I have two beautiful little girls. Um, they're going to turn nine and seven this summer. And Gabriel, my, my little fluffy-headed blonde boy, looks just like me. Not really. Uh, <clears throat> he, he, he just turned five. Uh, he actually turned five while I was in Kenya. He had a birthday while I was there and the birthday party. So guess what we did when, we, when I got home? We had another one. So uh, it was great. It was a good time. But when, listen, when he was born... Okay, He became my son when he was born. And he will spend, we will spend the rest of our lives developing an authentic relationship with one another. And it is the development of that relationship that I pray and believe in the name of Jesus will affect his behavior. So his responses to life... I believe in Jesus' name, God help me to train him in his ways, will be based on his relationship with his daddy. When he was born, that wasn't the end all, it was the beginning of all. He became my son at birth, and he will spend the rest of his life becoming my son and behaving as my son, or I'll break his legs. Because it would be better for him to hobble into heaven than to fall into hell. Come on, somebody. The Bible says you spare the rod. He who spares the rod hates his child. I don't hate my child. So I want to train him and I want to teach him. Not tell him. Train him. Teach him. When he was born, he became my son. He didn't have to do anything but be born. Do you understand? I love him, no matter what he does, but I will whip his butt, I hope all the kids are in the back, if he does things that he's not supposed to. Why? Because I love him. I will discipline him. Because I love him, I will do what it takes to develop relationship with him, and I hope that he does the same. Okay? Same scenario. In John chapter 3, I'm going to go there. You can turn there. But before that, I want to show you Romans 1.16. We've all heard it. For I am not ashamed. Gabriel loves whenever I come somewhere. He hollers. Now, I know it's because he's five. Well, wait till he's 15. You know what? I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I do. Right now, in Jesus' name. I... I believe my son's going to love me just as much at 15. 
if I love Him the way that I'm supposed to. I, I get that there will be times where we don't agree and that's going to happen. But I don't receive anything less than God's best. And if you speak that over me, I just rebuke it in Jesus' name. That my son's going to be just excited about saying Daddy at 15, 25, 35, 45, 55, 75 as he is right now at 5. And I can believe God for that. And if it doesn't happen, I'm still going to believe God for it. I'm just going to hurt my arm making sure <laughs> that he still knows I'm Daddy. When I show up somewhere, he is excited. He doesn't care who else is around. He hollers. When we got off the plane last week, Daddy! He's unashamed of what? Of the relationship. I'm unashamed of the Gospel. The message of the relationship that God wants to develop with me as His Son. For it is the power of God for the, unto salvation for everyone who believes. Okay, now jump to John chapter 3. Remember, I want to take you back to the basics this morning. The purity, the simplicity, the security, the sanctity of the gospel, the presence of God, and an authentic relationship with Him. In John chapter 3, there's this man named Nicodemus, and he comes to Jesus and Jesus tells him in John chapter 3, verse 3, you must be born again. Which is, by the way, a great question. I love to, when I first meet people, I, I will ask them, hey, do you have a church home? What I'm really saying is, are you part of the body of Christ or not? I'll say, do you have a church home? And they'll usually say, well, I'm whatever. And I didn't ask you what denomination you are. I said, do you have a church home? Where are you a part of the body of Christ? I don't say it that ugly, and I don't recommend that you do either. But where, what's your church home? Okay, the next very good question. Have you ever been born again? See, because that challenges your churchy answers. It challenges your churchy answers to ask the question, have you ever been born again? And then we see in John chapter 3 verse 4 that Nicodemus is confused by this question as some people in this culture, in our society, in our world today. As some people in Kenya were. What do you mean? Nicodemus asked. And then he basically says, how can a man be born again? In verse 5, Jesus says, I assure you, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they get rid of all their tattoos, throw away all their cigarettes, stop drinking completely, don't ever say another cuss word even when you stump your toe or when somebody scares you. It's not what he says. Okay? Those things are going... That should happen. Okay? If when you stump your toe, something comes out, it's a reflection of what's inside. You need to deal with that. Okay? But that's not the essence of your salvation. A man must be born again. You cannot enter the kingdom of, God, the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Why? Because humans can only reproduce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. That's not where it ends. Listen, listen. It's not all about getting saved. It's not all about getting saved. That's where it starts. That's not where it stops. It is all about receiving salvation and remaining in Christ so that your, His salvation is worked out in you through your life. 
You must be born of water or you wouldn't be here. In order to inherit the kingdom of God, you've got to be born again of the Holy Spirit. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Jump to verse 15. For whoever believes in me, whoever believes in him, this is Jesus talking, whoever believes in him, the Son, will have eternal life. Verse 16, for this is how God loved the world. Okay? I love you. I really, like, I, look, I, I love people more than I even knew that I could. Like, I legitimately care about every single person in this room. When I see you going through something, it bothers me. It's just that God's developed something uh, in, in the shepherd's heart, if you will. It, it, it burdens me when you're burdened. So I'm burdened all the time. Because <laughs> there's a lot of you. Okay, so, but it's not a bad burden. Say, it's a burden that we carry together. Listen, God said, I love you so much that I gave my only son. Now listen, I love you, but if it comes down between you and my son, bye. We'll see you on the flip side. Because <laughs> I'm keeping him. If I have to choose between you going or him going, I'll be like, well, I'll take him, you can have them. Well, it's whatever. But, but listen to me, why was God able, why was God able to give his only son? Because God didn't love his only son any more than he loved his potential sons and daughters. So, God doesn't love, hear me, God doesn't love his children more than he loves those who have not yet become his children. You with me? God doesn't love Jesus more than he loves us, and he doesn't love us more than he loves everybody else. For God so loved the whole world that he gave his only son at the time, but he became the first son of many sons and daughters for all time. So God loves us just as much as he loves them. And then in verse 6, 17, we see in verse 17, because Jesus did not come into the world to judge the world to point his finger at the world, to stand on a bread box or a soap box and tell everybody how wrong they are and how miserable they should be about how lonely they... No! God so loved the world He sent His only Son that whoever believes would have eternal life, that they would never perish. And Jesus came not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. That is the power of the Gospel. It is the simplicity of what God is trying to do. So here's what Jesus is saying. Listen, Nick. That's how I hear him talk. You're making this thing way too difficult. Okay? This is not about rules. It's not about religion. It's not about some rogue routine that you learn how to operate in and pat yourself in the back over. This is about believing. It's not about good. It's not about evil. It's about life. It's all about relationship. Genesis to Revelation and every story in between is about God restoring people back into the relationship that He created man and woman to have with Him in the Garden of Eden. If what you're doing is not about having relationship with Jesus, don't stop, but refocus it. 
If you reading your Bible every day is not about you having a desire to show God, to please God, to develop relationship with God. If you developing a prayer life is not about you drawing closer to God. If you giving generously in an offering is about what you can get out of it. We need to reprioritize and refocus. See, because God loves me, because I'm His Son, I serve Him. Because God loves me, because I'm His Son, I want to read His Word and get to know Him so that the more that I know Him, the more that I love Him, the more that I love Him, the more that it is easier for me to live for Him. Because God loves me, I will give whatever, whenever, and go wherever. Because God loves me, I want to develop a more consistent prayer life where I'm telling Him all the things that I know that I need and I'm listening to Him about the things that only He knows that I need. His Word has the power to save, to keep, and to transform. But His love has the power to make me His child. And when I get that right, when I become His son, I'm no longer a slave to anything else. What I used to be afraid of, I now stand in authority over. Because my being is not based on what I've done or even what I'm doing. My being is based on who I am in Him. So this is not in your notes. You may want to write this down. My response. My response to life is based upon my relationship with God. My relationship with God is not based upon my response to life. My response to life, people, powers and principalities of darkness, all of those things are based upon my relationship with God. You're going to want to turn in your Bibles or flip on your home screen to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. I love this story. It's a story of a jailer who was scared to death. But in the midst of his fear, he asked a very important question. In verse 30 of Acts chapter 16, and then I'm going to go back. We're going to read the whole story. Not every word, but we're going to tell you what happened. A jailer, a Roman jailer, who was in charge of making sure that Paul and Silas stayed in prison asked this very important question. Remember, we're talking about the simplicity of God's Word, the security of His presence, and the sanctity that takes place in my life through authentic relationship with Him. In other words, I can't stay the same when I grow in Him. I can't. Those two things can't coexist. So when I'm growing in my relationship with Jesus, I become more like Jesus and less like me. It, it happens. It doesn't happen through rogue routine or religious rituals. It doesn't happen through fear-stricken failure tactics, which all denominations have been guilty of at some point throughout their existence. It happens through authentic, individual relationship with Jesus Christ. So this jailer asked a very important question. What must I do 
to be saved? Listen, this question determines our eternity. Our ability to answer this question may determine someone else's eternity. It's really important. Well, I've heard this before. Great. Who have you shared it with recently? Well, we've grew up, we grew up in this. I've got this taken care of. Great. Get off your tail. Mm, I came back from Africa. <laughs> and do something for Jesus. Live beyond yourself. Share the message beyond your own knowledge. Operate in obedience in every area of your life. And stop using the mirror to reflect God's Word on somebody else. Mm, I'm stepping on your toes this morning. Turn it back to you. And allow God to show you what you can work on and how you can be more like His only begotten Son. Because what I've seen in Christendom is that we are very good at noticing everyone else's flaws. But we are not so good at being consistently convicted of our own. And you see it most in marriage counseling. Well, she, well, he, okay, listen, you can't do anything about somebody else. And if it's not your fault, you can't fix it. So stop blaming everybody else for why your life doesn't look like Jesus's and start walking with Him on a daily basis and let the Holy Spirit fix you. Then you can be a living example of His love for everybody else that He puts in your path. What must I do to be saved? In other words, this jailer saw something in the sons of Jesus that he knew he could no longer live without. What must I do? So, chapter 16, verse 9. At night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10, so we decided to leave for Macedonia at once. Listen, when God tells you to give, you don't have to pray about it. You just do it. When God tells you to go, you don't have to stop and fast for 24 hours. The devil's not trying to get you to leave a bigger tip. He liked it. The devil's not trying to get you. Hear me. The devil, Lucifer, has never told somebody to pray with somebody else in public. That's not the devil. That's the voice of God. Stop praying about it and start practicing it. The more you practice, the better you'll get it. Well, I don't know how to pray. That's because you're not doing it. I didn't know how to preach when I started. And I'm still just working this thing out in faith on a weekly basis. Praying to God He gives me something good to say at the end of the week. None of us know what we're doing. We're all faith in it until we make it or we're failing until we don't. We're on a path. We're on a journey. God gave Him a vision. God may not give you a vision. He may give you a whisper in the wind. If it's good, it's probably God. If it's not, don't do it. He had a vision. So the Bible says, at once... We decided to leave for Macedonia at once before we had time to talk ourselves out of it. We obeyed immediately. 
is what they're saying. At once, we went to Macedonia, having concluded that, oh, you know what, that was God calling us to preach the good news. It was God. Whatever, whatever the good thing was that God was asking you to do, it was Him. Okay? Just settle it. It's Jesus. Jump to verse 16. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit. A slave girl who had a spirit. It enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. What an incredible thing to be accused of. Like if just a little slave girl filled with a demonic spirit would just follow me around and scream for just a few days. This guy is a servant of God. And he's going to tell you how to be saved. I'd be like, thanks. I'm, I don't know. But after a few days, like, okay, sweetheart, that's enough. I'm about to choke slam a little girl in front of everybody. But listen, I want you to notice something. Paul didn't resort to the physical. Because you can't deal with the spiritual in the physical. Paul decided to go right to the source. He didn't get all upset about her behavior. He decided to deal with her belief. Behavior is physical. Belief is spiritual. And if you can fix the spiritual, then the physical will get in line like it's supposed to be. So he turned around to that little girl. After this went on for days, jump to the next verse with me. This went on to days, he got exasperated. He turned and said, not to the little girl, to the demon, to the darkness. He turned to the darkness and he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and instantly it, it, the demon spirit left her. Listen, when God tells you to do something, when God calls you to do something, when He tells you to go pray with somebody, when He tells you to get up earlier, when He tells you to give bigger, when He tells you to serve harder, when He tells you to go more consistently, every time that God calls you to do something, darkness is going to make an attempt on your destination. Every Every single time. And I'm all for being a living example of His love. I'm all for letting your light shine before men that they may see your good works and know that you have been sent there by God Himself. But there are times when we need to stop doing and start speaking. There are times when we need to stop assuming and start taking authority with our mouths. There are times when we need to speak up. I'm not saying being ugly. I'm saying speaking to the thing that needs to be spoken to. Not the person, but the thing that the person is dealing with. Darkness will make an attempt on our destination. But greater is He that is in me than anything in the world that can come against me. All I have to do is what Paul did. I command in the name of Jesus against the darkness. And guess what? The darkness had to flee. It had to go. So here's the point of this little passage right here. 
You can't let, you can't, you cannot let the voices around you be greater than the voice from within you. When everything else around you is falling short, you've got to go back to the source that can be greater than the voices around you. And if you don't know what else to do, then just speak His name. When you don't know what else to pray, just plead the blood. Because there's still power in this thing. Even the very simplest form of it. If all you know is for God so loved the world, then you better speak it to that devil until it gets out of your way. Because the moment that you remember who you are in Him and you are able to remind powers and principalities of darkness who you are in Christ, they remember that the same power that rose Christ from the dead, they recognize that power in what you said. That's how this whole thing works. Simplicity of the Word of God. The security of the presence of God and the sanctity that takes place in authentic relationship. But this is where it gets difficult. Verse 22, A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten. They weren't just like, there was no love taps. This was a beat down by a mob of people. Then they were thrown into prison and the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Hear me. Listen. Because this is... You're going to see this in this journey. When the enemy cannot use powers and principalities of darkness any longer. When you've stood against those. When the enemy cannot overcome you by your own temptation any longer because you've overcome by the power of the blood and the word of your testimony. When powers and principalities no longer serve their purpose in your life, the enemy uses people. He uses the people that you love. He uses the people that are all around you. He uses the people that you know He wants you to reach. He uses people. And people unaware that they're even being used. Some of them with great intentions end up being the ones that hurt the most. Yeah, the phrase sticks and stones, but words will never... It's not true. It's unbiblical, actually. Because that junk hurts. But hear me, listen. When the enemy uses people, you decide. Make a decision. Remember, your response is not based on people. Your response, my response, has one basis, one foundation. My relationship with God is not dependent upon other people. So my response to other people is not dependent upon other people. 
my response is still dependent upon my relationship with God. So watch in this story, the turning point. Verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Because every time that the enemy tries to use a power, a principality, or people, he can use all that he wants to. But I have one weapon against him. And it all comes together in his word. It's my prayer, my praise, and my purpose as his child. Paul and Silas were praying and, and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Hear me. People aren't watching you when everything's going good. They're not watching how well you can be celebrated. Touchdown! Oh. No, no, no. People are listening when you've been imprisoned. People are listening when you've been persecuted. They're watching how you respond to things not working out the way that you thought they should have. They are watching to your response to your situation. They are watching how you live out what you say you believe. In the toughest times, they were listening. So verse 26, in the midst of their prayer, in the midst of their praise, the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed, <laughs> he assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself, but Paul shouted, thank God for a man of God in the midst of our devastation. Thank God for the voice of his body in the midst of our persecution. He decided in that moment to take his own life, but the Bible says Paul, the voice of God in that moment, shouted. He didn't whisper. He didn't assume. He didn't hope for the best. He stood up and he spoke up. He shouted and said, Stop. Don't kill yourself. Why? Because we are all here. Listen to me this morning. You may be feeling like throwing in the towel today. You may be feeling like hanging up the cleats today. You may be feeling like giving up and throwing it all away. You may even feel like you have lived this life to its full extent and you have nothing left. I came as the man of God this morning to say stop. Listen up to the voice of God inside the prison cell. I'm speaking up to say don't stop. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. And certainly don't take your life. We are all here. Every single one of us. We're all in this thing together. We either go home as one or we don't go home at all. We're going to stand until the end and we're going to do our best to minister all the way through. So the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul. I came to speak to somebody this morning. I came to tell you that everything that you thought was torn down in your life was actually an opportunity for the, 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 the devil to no longer have authority 
authority over you in that situation anymore. Everything that you thought was broken, everything that you thought had perished was actually an open door for your very own freedom for God to use you in a way that He's never used you before. God is going to allow you to stand up and walk out. You thought you were comfortable in that cell, but God broke down the walls through your prayer and your praise and now you get to stand up and walk into the next phase that's the purpose of our praise he brought them out and he asked sirs what must I do to be saved what do I do to be able to stare hell in the face like you have and still keep my praise how can I be saved and watch what he says they replied it's the simplicity of God's word they reply in verse 31 believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved you along with everyone in your household and they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his house this is a final statement we're going to pray when you feel like all is lost when you feel like your whole world has crumbled down before you there are still more there is always more to be won when you feel that all is lost there is always more to be won see that jailer that jailer thought his life was over he thought he was about to lose every prisoner but what he ended up gaining was his whole household all the prisoners thought when the earthquake came my Lord we have gotten ourselves into something we're not gonna be able to get out of but when the ground began to shake it was actually breaking down the things that were holding them back so when God begins to shake things up in your life don't get mad at him don't take retribution don't start pulling away just hang on to those shackles for just a little bit longer because he's about to give you a breakthrough in the midst of your bondage if you'll just hang in there until you know that God has said I saved you I will keep you I will sanctify you I will be your security and your strength if you will just hang on a little bit longer when you thought all was lost I'm prophetically speaking to somebody today you thought all was lost it's time for you to start winning again winning souls winning your household winning yourself if you would bow your head close your eyes with me father today